Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to 2021, our first show of the <clears throat> new year. 2020, good riddance to you, right? Man, what a crazy year it is and has been. And we'll certainly talk a little bit about uh, 2020 as it was, but certainly looking forward to 2021. Coming up, we've got Rick Riggin and be breaking down, well, yeah, what happened yesterday with Alabama and Notre Dame. And then a little bit later on, we got Adam Jividen <clears throat> going to be joining us. Uh, talking with us about that huge Ohio State win over Clemson. So we got us an Ohio State-Alabama national championship mix, uh, and they were able to do it with just only playing six games. So there's probably some uh, controversial subjects that are about to come up over the next uh, few days in the coming weeks uh, regarding that. But nonetheless, it is what it is. <clears throat> Tony Don, the Tony D Podcast, joins us as well uh, to uh, continue our, our college football and begin our NFL uh, talk. Certainly a lot of talk going on in the NFL as we uh, uh, get ready for the NFL playoffs. Had a lot of implications for, for the Colts. Big games uh, with the Colts and uh, Tennessee coming up this week as well. My name is Sean Marquez, El Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take the Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103. Or visit online at GoANG.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. 
morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. All right, and welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Markell, President. Joining us now is Rick Riggett. I tell you what, I have got the first 2021. can't talk stuff going on in my throat, but we'll try to make it through the show. Rick Rickett, how are you, sir? Not too bad, Tom. Uh, sorry you got the uh, coronavirus up there in Indianapolis. <laughs> at least, if that's what it was, at least I know it was. I think it's just, <laughs> I think it's just morning, morning junk. Uh, speaking of morning <laughs> junk, uh, let's talk about uh, Notre Dame. I mean, huge disappointment, and we'll talk from the fans a part of it first, and then we'll get down into some of these storylines uh, about the game yesterday. But I know you're a huge Notre Dame fan, so huge disappointment for you. Uh, talk with us a little bit about what you saw sitting there watching Notre Dame as the fan just completely fall apart to Alabama. Well, I mean, they didn't fall apart. It's just Alabama. And act, the game actually went better than what I thought it would go. And that's certainly not what I expected to hear from you. So good. <laughs> I mean, they lost by 17. They held Alabama to 31 points, which is our lowest point total in like two years. So it's not a huge letdown. It, it just exposes the problem with college football. Which is our our uh, the, the, which problem are you, you are you referring to? That all the elite talent goes to three schools because you only get 35 star recruits right every year. Right. And when 20 of them go to Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, you know, that's the difference. So until college football finds a way to fix that, this is the, the scenario. This is the way it's going to be from here on out in this uh, playoff, uh, you know, playoff era. Well, and I don't know about as far as all the recruiting goes, but, it, I mean, Notre Dame used to be a recruiting mecca. What do you think was the downfall there? <clears throat> Well, I mean, what down, the downfall for Notre Dame being a football college? Yeah. I mean, what the I mean is they don't, they, don't want to go, they don't want to go to college to learn, Tom. It's Their academic standards way too high. Got you. When, when Notre Dame recruits, they look at transcripts first before they look at what a player's ranking is coming out of high school. That's the problem. It's not a level playing field in, in college sports. Until college football fixes that, this is what we're going to see every year. We're going to get Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then the whole drama is going to be who's going to be the fourth team in until, uh, you know, everybody wants the playoff to expand. I want the playoff to expand. Even with an expanded playoff, these are the three teams that are going to be at the top of the rankings until they figure out a way to, to, to fix recruiting. Uh, no, I totally, totally agree with you. So, so what do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I mean, people still say or still saying or, or social media, if you will, 
<clears throat> it, what what does Irish the Irish need to do to win a national championship? And that, that that seems to be a narrative that's been carried on year after year after year. And there's always a reason. What what does Notre Dame have to do to win a national championship? <clears throat> Drop their academic standards so more elite athletes will come play at Notre Dame. That's the problem. Well, I mean, on the other side of the coin, wouldn't you say that getting a, a college degree from Notre Dame University is probably one of the most elite uh, diplomas you can have? Well, that is. These elite college players, elite players coming to high school, are not worried about their college degree. They're worried about going on to the next level and then seeing that if they can win in college and make it to the NFL. They're not worried about going to school. And that's the problem nowadays. The, the, the landscape of college football has changed. It's like the kids don't want to go to college or class. They want to go play football, right? And then number two, uh, when they can go to Alabama or South Carolina where Clemson is, states like that, I know Columbus is a, is a cold-weather state, you know, Ohio, but they look at the weather in South Bend, they also don't want to go there. But DJ Uigalele, Trevor Lawrence's backup, was recruited heavily by Notre Dame, and he visited. Notre Dame. It was like 62 degrees on the day he visited Notre Dame, and at 62 degrees, he said, "No, it's way too cold for me. I can't come here." So that also plays into it now. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Devontae Smith, though, Alabama beast. There. Let's talk a little bit about Alabama side of the ball. As you mentioned, I mean, they they have all the right players. They have everything in play. Oh yeah. I mean, well, they're ridiculous. And, and, yeah. As we've said before, Alabama is just a, another uh, NFL team, if you will. Just an extension of the of the NFL. Devontae De, Smith is no different than that. Uh, break down what you saw in his performance yesterday. Well, uh, I think Notre Dame and Alabama actually matched up pretty well together on both offensive and defensive lines. I thought that was pretty good. But then the difference is, like you said, Devontae Smith, or when they ran Najee Harris on the outside, on the perimeter, Notre Dame does not have the elite speed, right, that Alabama does. So that's the difference in the game. Uh, Notre Dame did what they had to do on defense. I mean, holding them to 31 points is pretty damn incredible. But how you beat Alabama is you got to score too. And that's where the problem was with Notre Dame. They don't have the uh, elite speed on the perimeter like uh, Alabama does on offense. So that's the difference in the game. Well, we'll certainly see what happens. Obviously, you can't, you can't complain about the season at all, Notre Dame at all. It went undefeated in the regular season. Uh, but, again, I guess it's just a, a new year where they're the bridesmaid and never a bride. So, we'll see what happens uh, going into uh, the, uh, the 2021 season with Notre Dame. Uh, let's talk a little bit. We're going to be talking more in the next half hour. I know that you might have been able to join us, but Adam Jevedin is going to be joining us. Obviously, super Buckeyes fan, super Browns fan. Uh, so, a lot of things to talk about with him as far as playoffs goes with his teams. Uh, but certainly, Ohio State came in and just handled uh, Clemson yeah. yesterday. And, uh, I mean, we can, we, there's so many conversations we I guess we can have about Ohio State not being in it. But at the end of the day, they made it to the playoffs, and they they showed up, and they did not throw up against Clemson. Yeah, not bad for the eleventh uh, ranked team in the country, right? <laughs> <laughs> As Pavel Sweeney put it, I mean, 
Uh, you talk about that loss Notre Dame took. I mean, that wasn't like too bad, but Ohio State completely embarrassed Clemson. Um, you know, I stay on social media during Irish games because it's all just Notre Dame hate, really. You know, Notre Dame doesn't deserve to be there. Well, they lost by 17. Uh, they didn't lose by three touchdowns, <laughs> like uh, Clemson did to a uh, quote unquote uh, lesser opponent than what Alabama would be, right? So maybe uh, Clemson didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Yeah, where's that hate at? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Nobody hates Clemson. I mean, yeah, Clay oh, Travis during that Notre Dame-Alabama game using the uh, throw, throw the damn towel, the, the gift from Rocky, you know, during the Alabama game. But uh, he he was uh, pretty quiet when uh, Clemson was getting destroyed by Ohio State. So where's the throw the damn towel uh, uh, tweets at during the uh, Clemson-Ohio State game? <laughs> I try to stay off of it. I spend too I'll much stay time off on of it, man. It, it, it is, Tom. It's the garbage can of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is at that. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's uh, jump into our uh, uh, Heisman uh, talk, if you will. And uh, what what are, any any new thoughts to your to your list uh, as far as who you think will be a um, a uh, Heisman Trophy winner? Sure. Uh, I think it's going to be hands down. Uh, Devontae Smith is going to win it this year. Uh, he's already won the National Player of the Year award. Uh, they've already uh, gave that. You know, the eighth, the, the Associated Press, I should say, has already given that award out. Uh, he won that. I think he's going to win your Heisman. Uh, he'll be the Heisman winner this year because Kyle Trask did not look that great in their bowl game the other day against uh, Oklahoma. Uh, that probably play, he probably played himself out. And uh, you can't give it to Mac Jones or Najee Harris when they're not even the best two players in their team. So I think it's uh, Devontae Adams – or not Devontae Adams, Devontae Smith. Devontae <laughs> Adams plays for the Packers. <laughs> yeah. He's I not eligible to win the Heisman. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, I, but, but you I know – I he's probably the best. He's probably the best receiver in the NFL, though, Devontae Adams. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, most definitely. Well, you, get, you can't uh, argue with results. I, I mean, I think that – Devontae Smith certainly is the well-suited uh, candidate for the the uh, 2020 uh, uh, trophies. So we'll see how how that uh, that plays out. Another game talk about happened yesterday, which really it just kind of I mean to the fourth quarter. I mean Cincinnati had this game well in hand, and then all yeah. of a sudden they got bit by the dog, and they got bit big time. What an embarrassing loss to Cincinnati, especially when the, a lot of the conversation was, hey, we need to have this 18 playoffs. And if we had the 18 playoffs, Cincinnati would have been in the mix in the conversation of being in the playoffs. But they just, I mean, I, I, the loss is a loss, but to have that kind of win in hand and really just be, it almost looked like they were overconfident in the later part of the fourth quarter against Georgia. <laughs> Yeah, and I can't really explain it. I, I figured I'd be a Cincinnati win. I mean, a couple scores, really, because this year's Georgia team was really just just an average team in the SEC. You know, I mean, the fourth, fifth best team in the SEC, maybe, uh, behind, uh, of course, Bama, Florida, A&M. Then you got Georgia. So maybe that lets you know exactly where Cincinnati really stacks up. You know, they stack up with the uh, – fourth best team in the SEC, I guess. No, absolutely. So we'll, we look at uh, going into uh, 
next year, uh, as far as the, the playoffs, do you think we're going to have eight teams? I don't know about next year. I, I know a lot of college, uh, head coaches now are on board the eight-team playoff. Uh, there's one more year left on the contract for the four-team playoff, so I don't know what they do. I don't know if they just go ahead and install the eight-team playoff next year or wait until 2022 to do it. Or, I'm sorry, this year now, we're 2021. So this coming college football <laughs> season is the last, yeah, it's confusing, <clears throat> year of the uh, four-team playoff. So I don't know if they go ahead and just do it now or they just complete that contract and do it next season. But it's going to go eight teams. It's 100% going to go to an eight-team playoff. It's just either this year or next year. Are we going to see any major new stories as far as coaches in the hot seat go? We actually might because I know the talk has been uh, Michigan was going to extend Jim Harbaugh, but then Mm -hmm. I saw yesterday that Harbaugh has not officially signed the extension, and he's on the fence about coming back or going his – them going their separate ways. So that's not a done deal yet, and I thought it was. They gave him the uh, extension with some, like, uh, provisions in there. You'll make more money if you can do this. I'm sure Beetle Ohio State was one of the provisions. Uh, but I thought that was a done deal. We've talked about it on the show before. We talked about it on Facebook Live a couple weeks ago how mm-hmm. they uh, he signed that extension. But apparently I saw yesterday that he hasn't signed that extension, and there's a little bit of back and forth about <laughs> him really coming back or not. You kind of wonder if he's just sitting back waiting to see if he's going to get an NFL offer before he signs Maybe. the extension yeah. with Michigan. So, and there's certainly some teams that might be talking to him, and the Detroit Lions might be very well might be one of them. Could be because I've seen his name pop up a couple times in their coaching search. So uh, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> he's definitely got the Michigan ties if he wants to go to uh, to Detroit. And maybe that's what maybe that's what the Lions need. I mean, maybe it's just uh, like I said, recruiting is what kills you in, in college football right now. And when all the elite talent goes to Ohio State, uh, it just leaves Michigan. You know, gets a pick of a, maybe a five star that comes in. It's the same with Notre Dame, same with Georgia, same with Oklahoma. It's like the top twenty players, uh, the top thirty players. Twenty of them go to Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. And then it leaves everybody else with the other ten five stars, you know. So maybe that's the problem. And talk with Ed on the show. Ed was like, maybe the Lions need to bring in an offensive guy, a quarterback guy. Uh, Jim Harbaugh could be a good fit in Detroit because of that. Well, they certainly have a history of hiring defensive coaches that haven't worked out uh, very well for them. So maybe it is time for a change. So maybe that is what that Jim Harbaugh. Let's say Jim Harbaugh does leave Michigan. Uh, who do you think would, would take the the reins there in, in Michigan? Gosh, I don't know. That's, that's a really good question because Michigan wants to make the big splash for a coaching announcement, right, a coaching hire. And I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who the uh, – who, who's the hot offensive coordinator in the NFL that wants a head coaching job. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe that's the route they go because Michigan is like Notre Dame and all the other – Big time blue blood schools. When they take a coaching hire, it's going to be a it's going to be a name. It's not going to just be some guy that's a good offensive coordinator. Uh, maybe Matt Campbell wants to take a step up in competition. Yeah, that'd be I guess my first name I'll throw out there. 
<laughs> okay, coach for Iowa State. Well, let's, uh, but, let's talk about some of, yeah. Let's talk about some of these other names here. Um, Jeremy Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. What do we know with him? Uh, well, sorry to say for the producer of the show, but uh, he's if <laughs> he's a head coach, he, he's he's not ready for a school like Tennessee. Uh, maybe he needs to go be the head coach at Georgia State or something like that for a little while, see how that goes. Uh, Tennessee's another blue blood school that, uh, you know, the, the the name Tennessee, the volunteers, that kind of sells itself on the on the recruiting trail. But when you have a head coach that can't win, it's tough to get recruits there, right? So he needs to go back down being a defensive coordinator because uh, that's where he came from, Alabama. He was their defensive coordinator. Uh, he's just maybe one step higher than where he should be, you know. And he's a great defensive coordinator, but now he's a head coach. And we saw the same thing with uh, what was his name that was the head coach of the Giants, McAdoo, Ben McAdoo. Oh, yeah. Great offensive coordinator. The players love him. But as a head coach, I mean, how did that go? I mean, he still had Eli Manning when he was the head coach there, and that's been the downfall of the Giants. The Giants are still trying to recover from that. You know, if you get a guys that are great coordinators, take a head coaching job, and that head coaching job ends up just being one ladder rung higher than where they should be in their career. And I think that's the problem with Jeremy Pruitt. He's probably a great coach, probably a good players, players guy, uh, but the head coaching position at Tennessee is just probably a, a notch above where he actually should be. Let's talk a little bit about Jeff Brom and Scott Frost over there in the in the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, Scott Frost of Nebraska, Jeff Brom and Purdue. Any major changes there you see? I'm not sure because with Scott Frost, you got the same uh, kind of deal that's going on with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Scott Frost is one of the favorite sons, so they're not just going to fire him. Do they mutually uh, part ways? I don't see that. I don't see Scott Frost wanting to lead. Uh, Jeff Brom, on the other hand, uh, I don't know. He's a Louisville guy. Played for Louisville, went to Louisville. Uh-huh. Uh, his name was up for the Louisville job like a year or two ago. But I don't know. It's so hard to gauge because of the year the Big Ten had this year. It's only playing four to six games a team. You know, it's – I don't know. So I don't see those guys going anywhere after this year. Definitely not Scott Frost. What about Mike Leach down at Mississippi State? Yeah, well, this was his first season, so he'll get another year or two, definitely. Are we having any conversations about Les Miles in Kansas anymore? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's Kansas. They could already fired him, and nobody knows about it. (laughs) 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 This this is true. You you mentioned Louisville. I mean, you know, Scott uh, Scatterfield might be uh, on his way out down there as well. Yeah, I don't know because they have really improved. Uh, you know, they had Lamar Jackson and then Eisenwinner, obviously. And then you lose a, a quarterback like that, it's hard to get a replacement in there. So I think he'll get another year or two. I see Louisville being like a much improved team. Uh, they uh, they fought Notre Dame tooth and nail this year. Notre Dame only beat them 12-7. And I went to the game last year in Louisville, and uh, I was nervous in that first half because uh, they were kind of putting us on it, uh, put, putting it on us here 
for a little while in that first half, and the crowd was all into it. It was very electric. Uh, they just don't have a uh, they don't have a quarterback that can just take them up to that next level in, in the in the conference. But I see Louisville's being like improved under him so far. Been talking with Rick Riggin a little bit about Notre Dame's loss to Alabama. Uh, obviously, uh, Notre Dame's season is over. Alabama's season continues in the national championship against Ohio State. Um, what What are your thoughts? As far, obviously, we don't see Coach Kelly going anywhere at Notre Dame, but what are your thoughts about the coaching staff there at Notre Dame going into 2021? Any Any major changes you anticipate there with Notre Dame? Yeah, this season coming up now, that, that – Next season, this season, wherever you want to describe it now, uh, isn't going to be that great. Uh, I see Notre Dame being like maybe a seven or eight win team. So they got to reload. They got to re retool completely, both offensive and defensive lines. Uh, they got to replace a three year starter at quarterback, and now they got to replace a defensive coordinator that just took the job at Vanderbilt. So they had a lot of things going on, and. Uh, I see them going to start maybe a true freshman. I can't remember his name. Uh, he looks great on film. He is actually a five-star quarterback, 30th-ranked player in the country. And how the five-star rankings work, the top 30 players are your five stars. Your 31st player in the country is your top four-star, right? So he's ranked 30th. He's the uh, he's the lowest-ranking five-star. He's a five-star. He'll be coming in. Maybe he wins the starting job, but they, they're going to have to retool the lines, both lines. Uh, new defensive coordinator, so we'll see. Uh, because of that, I, I don't see uh, them being more than a seven or eight win team this year because they got a lot to replace. Rick Riggin, well, what do we think about uh, South Central Louisiana State University? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. I know both those shirts. You know, that's the Water Boy, and then the other one was uh, from Tommy Boy. That's right. <laughs> Well, look, I had never seen a uh, uh, water boy. And I was like, what? So we had to watch that. Really? Uh, yeah, we had to watch that last night. And then I mentioned I would want to have that shirt. And so I ended up getting the shirt in the um, uh, Tommy Boy one. <laughs> I've heard rumors they're uh, probably going to do part two sequels to uh, Billy Madison and the water boy. Oh, that'd be cool. Because, yeah. well, you know the sequels ne- are never as good as as uh, the original, though. That's for sure. Never as good unless you talk Star Wars, because The Empire Strikes Back is probably the best sequel ever made, and then Return of the Jedi is probably better than New Hope. So, if you want to talk about that, then yes. Uh, well, that's you know, the that's, King, that's, that's that's the one outlier. <laughs> the king of, of of sequels and understanding Star Wars movies and their and their place in our in our universe is with us now. Adam Jevedin, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you, man? Fantastic. Uh, we were just talking a little bit about uh, uh, Tommy Boy and uh, Water Boy. Uh, I said, had never seen it before. And so the South Central Louisiana State University. We were just talking about their 2021 season. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in in the in the uh, aspects of sequel, uh, sequels and movies, um, Rick just said Star Wars. Which one did you say, uh, Rick? 
Well, The Empire Strikes Back is probably the best sequel ever made because that was by uh, that's the best Star Wars movie made, right? So it's far and away better than New Hope, which is Episode Four, but it's the first original movie. So yeah, I was gonna say as far as sequels go, Star Wars go, and Adam, you can probably know a little bit more about this than I do, but uh, the first was the last, and the last was the first. Is that is that how that lined up? Uh, yeah, kind of, uh, until, until they made the, the sequel trilogy, which um, most Star Wars fans just act like it doesn't exist. So, yeah. So, Mandalorian, I'm one season in. I haven't started season two. Uh, but I've heard that that's not really Baby Yoda. That is kind of like uh, Yoda's dad. Do I understand yeah, that correctly? No, he's, a, he's his own thing, no, man. It's he's not- the same, same species. It's, yeah, same species. They just happen to live for like 900 years. It's not Yoda's dad, though, because they say in season two how old he is. And Yoda's already dead at that point. Gotcha. Rick, I, I know you got a roll, buddy. I appreciate you joining us today. Sorry about Notre Dame. Uh, we're going to be talking with Adam Zippin about the win of uh, from Ohio State. Uh, Rick, you got any final thoughts for Adam uh, about Ohio State and Clemson or anything before we let you go? Yeah, I, I, I got a couple. Just he, he throughout the Mandalorian, just to give you a, an insight, Tom, what the Mandalorian timeline is. Okay. That it's five. It's five years after Episode Six, so five years after uh, the Luke Skywalker trilogy, and 25 years before the Ray trilogy. That's the Mandalorian timeline. And the number two, Adam. How about that 11th ranked team in the country? That's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. All right, y'all have a good one. All right. You too, Ray. Rick Reagan joins us. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Myself and Adam Jividay are going to break down this big uh, win with Ohio State over Clemson. And, well, quite frankly, what they did was just embarrass uh, uh, Clemson for sure. We'll be right back to get into that conversation right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. 
GEICO makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to GEICO.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to GEICO.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm laughing. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Welcome back to the Balance Running Song, Mark Michelle, President's Day, our first show in 2021, and we have kicked 2020 to the curb, and thank God for that. 2020 has been a crazy year uh, across the board, not only for sports, but just for, for humanity in general. Bringing this out, Super Buckeyes fan, Adam Jividan, Mr. Brown fan. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. i here in a second. So, okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine, sir. Can Can you hear us? Tom, do you have me? Hello. I have I can. you. Can you hear me? Cool. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> so, so fitting. Uh, you know, it was not by mistake or or coincidence that that uh, bumper music was the the uh, bring us back in because we had Clemson and Ellis Ohio State and. Really wasn't much of a fight. I tell you what, uh, we'll get into all the, the by the numbers, but I know you as a fan, you should be very excited watching Ohio State just stop and embarrass the Clemson Tigers for a, a spot in the national championship against Alabama. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, coming in, I, I felt like this game was um, – all of the see Ohio State hadn't played their best game. Uh, Ryan Day said it; they hadn't played a complete game yet. Um, and all of the pundits that were saying it was a foregone conclusion that we were going to lose, I, I I didn't believe it. I actually felt really confident. I knew where where Clemson was weakest um, on their offensive line, for example was um, in the, right in the center, which is where our strength of our interior line is um, with our two defensive tackles, uh, Tommy Togia and Haskell Garrett. Um, I knew that their uh, secondary was largely untested. Uh, the ACC doesn't have another quarterback that can go over the top. I mean, if there's any single argument that could be made about Ian Book throughout his career, 
is as a smaller quarterback, he doesn't have the arm to, to make those, as we saw multiple times, 50 or 60-plus bombs downfield over the top of the Clemson defense. And then you combine that with what Trey Sermon has done over the last two weeks, which has run for over 500 yards in two games. Uh, he was essentially unstoppable. Uh, the only time where it was they would stop him for a couple yards and then they'd get us in like a, a, a third and nine and he'd rip off 13. You know, so I, I look at I look at this game last night and I know, I go, that's the Ohio State team that everybody's been waiting for, and that's the team that, frankly, outplayed Clemson in back-to-back years. We just had a, a royal hose job last year and then and then got our revenge this year. We dominated the stats last year similarly to how we did this year. And in two games, head-to-head, Justin Fields has thoroughly outplayed Trevor Lawrence, but if you listen to national media – you would assume that, like, Trevor Lawrence is the second coming of, like, Peyton Manning and John Elway's love child. <laughs> you would think. You would absolutely think. And I, that was going to be my the good segue because I was going to say that Trevor Lawrence wasn't much of a thing last night. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm not going to say he's not going to be a good quarterback. But to assume, and, and, and even if he is the presumptive number one, that's fine. But to assume that he is instantly going to have, you know, a, a, a bust in Canton uh, from day one, like what was expected of, of Andrew Luck, uh, I, don't, I don't see that guy. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback, but he has played upper echelon competition, I think about four times his entire Clemson career. The first time against Alabama, they played great, but that team was loaded. You had a young Travis Etienne at running back. You had uh, Justin Ross uh, explode onto the scene. You had T. Higgins, who was having a great year in the NFL right now with Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you had a, a, a phenomenal Clemson defense that really kind of paved the way for him to do that. Then, the, then, then last year, he had an all right game against us. But again, Justin outplayed him and then was not good against LSU. And that LSU defense was suspect all year. Uh, They played well in the playoffs, but they definitely had cracks in that defense that could have been exposed. And then he played, obviously he played against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame was, was in that game, I think, let down by their offense. If their offense could have strung together some of those scores, it kind of put Notre Dame's defense into desperation mode. Um, when Ian Book couldn't cash in on some of those red zone, red zone opportunities. So then they played us last night, and, I mean, they, they completely bottled him up running the ball. Uh, I mean, the one big throw that I can think of that he made was in the first quarter on that opening possession where even Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler in the booth were like, yeah, the receiver got away with a bit of a two-handed push there. But that was, that was the memorable throw. The other touchdown pass that he got – what uh, 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 Sean Wade slipped in coverage. The receiver was wide open, and and just punched it in. So I mean, that was it. That was the extent of Trevor Lawrence's. He got a a, a, a good ball on a should have been called offensive pass interference, and then a wide open touchdown 
on uh, on a, on a play where the the receiver slipped and fell. I, I don't. To me, that doesn't scream the best quarterback prospects in Andrew Luck. We're talking with Adam Jividan, Super Buckeyes fan, Super Browns fan. Before we let you go, we will want to talk a little bit about the Browns, obviously, the, and their playoff implications here in a minute. But one thing we do know for sure, Ohio State just scratched uh, Clemson at the Sugar Bowl last night, setting up a date with Alabama in the national title week down in Miami next week. Uh, but, you know, uh, you're always going to get trolls. You're always going to have haters. But there's a college football uh, writer that thinks Buckeyes had an advantage over the Tigers based on, on how many games they played. And I'm speaking about Seth Emerson. He sent out a tweet this morning that said ACC, SEC, and Big 12 teams have been practicing since the summer and played 10 games. Every reason for them uh, to be spent, to be tired, basically. Ohio State and Big 10 teams got a late start and, and played less games. Doesn't mean Ohio State wouldn't have won the game anyway last night, but it was definitely a huge advantage what do you say to guys like Seth Emerson? Uh, he's an idiot. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you call Ohio State. Kirk Herbstreit pointed it out. And keep in mind, for all of the people that don't like Kirk Herbstreit uh, because they say that he basically craps on Ohio State that are Ohio State fans, the dude is an alumni and gets the program better than almost anybody. Ohio State lost over 300 practices. 300. So you still have dudes that two-thirds of the way through our shortened season didn't even know where to line up on certain plays because they didn't have practice time to get there. Not to mention all of the COVID losses that we had. You, we had uh, 23 players out for the Michigan State game and still won. Practice in college and games in college are more important than the NFL. What happened – Versus, I, I'll say this, what happened to the Browns last week, having to play without your entire starting receiving core versus an NFL team, that was significantly worse than a college team that hasn't had reps. The best thing that college teams need are reps. And the games that we would have played would have been some of our early season games where, where you're beating a team by 75 not not exactly 75, but you get the idea. Like, you're going to, like, not have a game against Miami of Ohio. Like, that does not contribute to tiredness. Only playing two or three games in six weeks contributes to disjointedness. Seth Emerson is making excuses like you'll hear from everybody at ESPN because they have the SEC and ACC contract. So all they know how to do just like our boys down in CNN, is spin, 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 spin. <laughs> Clemson so got worked, and that's – they just – you know what? Own it. Last year, we took the loss personally. It was it was how we trained all offseason, and we beat the crap out of you. If you don't like it, do something about it next year. This is why I hate <laughs> journalism these days. <laughs> how do you really feel out of Um you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, just the story that had him that it was been. Sean Wade obviously said he was going to go into the NFL, changed his mind. Uh, certainly a huge uh, uh, player for Ohio State quarterback. How's he match up against Devontae Smith? And it's to my understanding, he'll be back next year. Is that correct, Sean Wade? Oh, uh, no. Sean, Sean's, Sean's headed to the uh, – oh, Sean's, Sean's a senior. But, uh, oh, no, so he'll be gone. But – 
Devontae is a brutal matchup. The thing that they that – they, this is what it's going to come down to is does our defensive line get pressure like they did last night against Lawrence to upset Mac Jones? Mac Jones has not been under pressure really at all throughout the year. Uh, if there was – again, if we look at Notre Dame, Notre Dame's strength on their defense – was on the edges of the defensive line and their linebackers. But they weren't able to affect anything because Notre Dame's defensive tackles were just getting road-graded all game. You're not going to do that to Togiai and Haskell Garrett. And if they can upset Mac Jones in the pocket and get some of those throws off, then, then that's where the secondary can play better. And the secondary, more than any other division or more than any other position group, needed reps. Uh, so... I, the Devontae Smith matchup is a – that's a tough matchup for, for anybody. What I think they'll do is I think they'll do similar to what Bill Belichick does in the NFL where they'll give bracket coverage over the top to Devontae Smith and have everybody else play one-on-one and just say, all right, guys, you got to win your one-on-one matchups. So let's talk a little bit about that huge hit that uh, Skalowski uh, hit on, on Phil yesterday uh, evening in the second half. Uh, looks like that Fields is going to have some rib injuries. Do you think that's going to be a factor or an X factor of sorts in the Ohio State championship game? Yeah, I think so. They did say they didn't take an X-ray. Uh, the doctors didn't feel like they were needed. It may just be a real bad bruise, which they play again in like what is it, eleven days, ten days, something like that. That's that's a good amount of time for for bruises to heal. Will it be a factor? Yeah, but. He was making the throws last night. Justin Fields is a tough, tough kid. So I think he will be close to 100%. I was more worried about the thumb injury that he that he got during uh, the Michigan or the Northwestern game. Excuse me, that didn't affect him at all. Um, so I I think it, it, there will be some. You will see some uh, grimacing. It's definitely going to be a target. And so I just think in that scenario, Justin's just going to run less uh, than he did at the beginning of the game, which if, if Trey Sermon can keep this run going, uh, this is the Trey Sermon that a lot of Ohio State fans expected when he came to Columbus. He just hadn't played in 14 months and didn't get any summer practice. So he didn't know how to read the blocks that were his offensive linemen were setting up. Because, I mean, we'd be watching games early. So there was an IU run in particular where – he just missed the cutback lane. And, and every Ohio State fan was, like, dying inside because we knew it was there. Uh, but you're seeing Trey Sermon just absolutely explode. And, and it, that's the thing is if Sermon, if Sermon can pick up 150 on Alabama, we win the game next, in, on, on, on the 11th. I didn't hear the last part you cut out there, buddy. Oh, I was just saying, if, if, if Trey Sermon can go over 150 against Alabama, I, I think that, that we will win the game. Uh, I, I think it's, that's a big thing is if he can lighten the load on Justin, because I think our receivers can get over the top on, on their corners as well. Uh, their corners are good, but they're not as good as they have been in the past. And, and Olave and Garrett Wilson are special receivers. Both of those guys are probably first-round picks. So, uh, you know, Devontae Smith is really, really good. I'm not going to say he's not. He's the best receiver in college football. But our receiving group is not that far behind. Uh, if Alabama was the number one receiving group, we're probably number two. 
Um, so, you know, you're not talking about a colossal difference there. It's just going to come down to uh, – basically, I think it's, it really is going to be a who plays better between Najee Harris and Trey Sermon um, in, in helping set up their offense. But if the defense can stay motivated and the, the media can continue to, to say we're, the, the spread started at seven last night, it's already grown to nine. Uh, keep on, keep on letting that spread grow, guys. Uh, this every time Ohio State gets feels disrespected, uh, we win national titles. So I, I'm good with it. So, uh, Sweeney, you said when you guys got into the playoffs that you guys were not deserving of a playoff position. Um, I wonder what his thoughts are now. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, Dabo. I, I feel like he just can't help himself, uh, partially because. Most of the time, he acts like a spoiled little child. Um, I, he, I, I think I, I actually respect him as a head coach in all of college football the least of anybody. And that includes Jim Harbaugh. I, I, I just – he's – frankly, he's, he has had two of per, – perpetually the best defensive coordinator and one of the best offensive coordinators, whether it was Craig or, or uh, uh, Chad Morris or – now Tony Elliott, and he recruits really well. Like, you out-talent people, but almost any time Dabo's in a close game, he makes boneheaded decisions. There were multiple times where it was, like, on their 45, and it was, like, fourth and two, and I was like, they're going to throw for it. Let's go, guys. And they punted. And I was like, well, thanks. Because then we immediately turned around and scored a touchdown. So I just, like, I, I look at Dabo, and Dabo has, has the reputation he has because – the titles they've won came off of out-talenting the other teams with Deshaun Watson and with that first title, uh, Trevor Lawrence's senior year – or freshman year, excuse me. Adam, Jividan, Super uh, uh, Buckeye fan and Browns fan, let's talk a little bit about the Browns before uh, we let you go. you got to be happy with the way the Browns season is uh, shaping up. We're going to be talking more with – uh, on the in our NFL segment about the Browns, but you got the Steelers tomorrow at one o'clock. I mean, well, we need we need some help, uh, and you know the the Steelers are are resting uh, their players, so we probably feel pretty comfortable about that game, don't you? Yeah, I mean the Browns are getting all of our receivers back. The fact that that game wasn't pushed by a day to see if. Uh, our receivers' COVID test, which came back negative, would come back negative, is complete crap considering that Goodell moved games for everybody else. Like, how do you tell a team that has zero receivers less than 24 hours before the game, hey, sorry, you got to play anyway, when we've canceled or, or rescheduled games for other teams, is flipping ridiculous. Uh, so, you know, I, we get all the receivers back. Um, we get – uh, we are still playing without two of our um, five rotational linebackers. Denzel Ward, our top corner, can't go. Harrison Bryant, our rookie uh, number two tight end, can't go. Uh, so we're still going to have some COVID losses. It's going to help that we're playing Mason Rudolph again, um, as long as uh, Miles Garrett decides not to try to murder him again. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like – I feel like it's a game that the Browns know they have to win. It's going to help that it's at home. I think you're going to come out and you're going to see a very focused Browns team get the win. I also think that Buffalo Bills 
are going to try to – they're going to keep their momentum going, and I think they're going to handily beat the Miami Dolphins, which will open the door uh, for the Colts to also make the playoffs at 11-5. and five. Well, a win against Pittsburgh, I mean, that'll, that'll get you in. And so just by happenstance, just by – I mean, but I tell you what, man, you talk about a disappointing loss that the Indianapolis Colts had against the Steelers. I mean, it was just right there. And I tell you what, Ted, so uh, you, you guys are going to be able to luck into that. So I would say you're getting into the playoffs in, in that scenario. The other scenario would be obviously we, that uh, the Colts lose to, to Jacksonville tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, the other scenario would be uh, uh, that the Titans lose to the Texans, which is possible, but the Ravens and Dolphins both win. So I, any of those three scenarios, I see uh, that – the Browns have an opportunity of getting into the playoffs, which is a kind of a unique spot for you guys. Well, I mean, we haven't been to the playoffs in 18 years. I was in high school. Uh, that team had Kelly Holcomb was a Dennis Northcutt catching a wide open pass on fourth down from having Phil Dawson kick the game winning field goal. Um, prior to that, uh, the last time that we had gone to the playoffs was when I was, uh, like, seven. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's a new thing. Uh, but, but you know, the thing about this particular Browns team is this is what we've been building towards, uh, I, I think, cementing the offensive line. Getting a coach like Kevin Stefanski in there um, was kind of the final piece of the puzzle. He's that steadying influence. Uh, I think Baker's going to ha- come out and have a great game tomorrow. Um and I'm really excited to see who we match up against in the playoffs. If it shakes out the way that I think, which is a Titans win, a Colts win, and a Dolphins loss, the Browns would actually have a rematch. Oh, and a Ravens win. The Browns would actually have a rematch against Pittsburgh in the playoffs, which ironically is who we played last year in the or last time in the first round of the playoffs. So, <laughs> you know, I'm – I'm really, I'm really excited. I think this is a Browns team that can make a run in the playoffs. Um, we have seen them when they are at their best. They absolutely laid a butt whooping on Tennessee. Um, they beat the Colts earlier in the season. Um, they have, they have beat some good teams and done so well. The big thing that, that I, frankly, that I worry about for our playoff game is, are we going to have everybody available because of COVID? Uh, we keep on having um, guys, guys miss. Well, I literally just saw a tweet that a second rounds coach, not not Stefanski, uh, tested positive for, for COVID nineteen, even with the facilities closed. So uh, we got to wonder how big of a how how that's going to play out tomorrow. Yeah, that well, <laughs> what can I say? It can't be a game that the Browns could clinch going to the playoff without a lot of drama. So I don't. Oh, jeez. Okay. (laughs) It was – stand by here. I'll tell you exactly who it was. It was – offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt. I believe that's who it was. Well, Van Pelt, so Van Pelt is, while he's our offensive coordinator, uh, does not call plays. Uh, Kevin Stefanski still calls plays. So, uh, well. You got defensive coordinator Joe Woods and special teams coordinator Mike 
Pryfer. Uh, so. Oh. So uh, they, your, hold on, Tom. Did they test positive as well, or are they good to go? Uh. I'm just going through the tweet here real quick here. Hey, Skip Brown's coaches. Um, hold on. They're being tested, so there's there's other uh, coaching people that that had tested positive, so they're waiting on on a, on a test results on that. So don't push gotcha. the panic button. All right, well. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, it wouldn't be a Browns a Browns potential playoff win without a. <laughs> Without some drama, so what can we do? Well, we're going to uh, certainly uh, be monitoring the game tomorrow against the Steelers and obviously the big game, the national championship with Ohio State and Alabama uh, coming up uh, next weekend. Uh, sir, any final words or wisdom about the Ohio State Buckeyes or Cleveland Browns or Mandalorian or uh, uh, Star Wars sequels? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say this. I, you know, I. 2021 is off to a much better start than 2020. So let's see what we can do. Uh, let's go get the W uh, Browns and, and Colts, and and then let's let's be talking in a week. Let's be talking playoff matchups. Playoffs? Talk to me about playoffs. <laughs> oh, I'm, we're talking playoffs, baby. So let's let's go get those Ws and uh, and, and have ourselves a, a really great start to the year. Adam, we appreciate you joining us, sir, and we'll uh, be talking with you soon as we get through these playoffs. No problem. Sounds good. We'll see you next week, Tom. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Bye, bye. Bye. Adam Jividan, a Super Buckeye fan, uh, joins us, <laughs> talk with us a little bit about that huge win against the Clemson in the um, uh, Sugar Bowl. Sorry. Um, Brains. Brain, brain fart. <laughs> we'll be back here with uh, Tony Donahue, the Tony D uh, podcast, joins us. And uh, so we'll be getting into that. Uh, more college football talk and NFL talk right here on the Balance Radio Network. Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. 
with over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my god, it talks! Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry! Save the children! Save them! Stay back! I've got mace! Ow! They're one of my eyes! We're moving! It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home.
Adam Jividen, super uh, Browns fan and Buckeyes fan, uh, joined us to talk about that big win, and I mean big win, over Clemson uh, to to uh, shape up uh, for next weekend's national championship game uh, with uh, Alabama Crimson Tide and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, <laughs> they only played – they played less games and – but as Adam pointed out, uh, you know, that's just a bunch of hogwash. I mean, they earned the right to be there, and they, are, they definitely earned the right to be in the national championship uh, game. So we'll see what happens next week when they play Alabama. We are standing by for Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast uh, to uh, continue our conversation about college football, college football playoffs, and uh, begin the conversation about the NFL playoffs. But, you know, one of the things that we weren't able to get done was a best of uh, show, if you will, for 2020. And we know that 2020 was kind of a, just a crazy, crazy uh, time for everybody. And one of the things that we saw happen in sports and just a lot of things on top of our, a lot of things on top of the, um, the COVID and every, everything that happened there was this social unrest. And, so many different things, so many different angles, so many different stories, and a lot of teams were just coming out to, to talk about it. And one of the, the uh, things that we were able to capture on the show during 2020 was Chris Ballard's uh, uh, social uh, injustice uh, speech. We're going to uh, start this. We may not get all the way through it, but here's Chris Ballard uh, back here a few months ago, back in 2020, about – uh, social injustice in the NFL and how we're dealing with it. I'm not here to talk about football. Um, and I don't have a, I don't have a prepared statement. I've got some notes, um, but I'm just going to talk about, you know, how, I'm, how we're feeling, how I'm feeling, you know, kind of what I've experienced here over the past 10 days, um, you know, watching what's going on in our country, then watch, watched what happened, you know, the last two days and which, Look, I've been in this league 20 years and might have been as most as, as impactful of two days um, that I've ever been a part of. Um, and I'm proud of the leadership that we have in terms of Frank Wright, um, what he stands for as a man. He stands for everything that's right. Um, and and to watch him lead right now makes me very proud um, to watch our players um, speak with what's on their hearts and on their minds. Makes me very proud to watch David Thornton, one of the unsung heroes of our organization, lead the charge um, for change. Um, he's, a, he's a special human being. He's a special person. I consider him a, a close friend and just lucky to, lucky to have, him, have, have him around and on our team. feel very fortunate. But I can't sit here and remain silent because that's exactly what we've done. Every time our black community screams and yells for help, we have to end social injustices and racial inequalities. We have to end the police violence against our black communities. You know, black lives matter. I don't understand why that's so freaking hard for the white community to say. Black lives matter. I've been ignorant. I've been ignorant to the real problem, um, and I'm ashamed of that. I just came to the realization here over the last 10 days with some really 
hard, difficult conversations that we've had as an organization, as a team, with my family, with my sons. Uh, and I've been ignorant to the real problem. You see, this is not a black problem. This is a white problem. This is, a, this is an issue that we have to talk about. And we can't, we can't sugarcoat it. We can't sugarcoat our way out of this. We can't go back into our bubble because that's what we've always done. We've always gone right back into our, into our bubble and we've never really listened. We haven't listened. I haven't listened. We haven't listened as a country. White America refuses to listen. We want to keep things the same and it can't. Or we're continue down the same path we're continuing down. And that has to change and nothing will change until we do that. I'm ashamed of that. I'm embarrassed by that. I pride myself on connecting and really getting to know people and caring for them. And look, I, don't, get it, don't, get, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, our children, my wife and I teach love and respect um, everybody, no matter what their, their, their race you know, whatever their religion is, whatever their sexual preferentation, it doesn't matter. We, we teach them to respect and love, but we didn't teach them, you know, really what they need. To, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. And I had long talks with our kids, especially my son, you know, here over the last week. Um, my wife's out of town with the girls right now. Um, so my son's just been us in the house. And, um, you know, about what's going on in our country. And they have no idea. That's my fault. That's my fault as a father. You know, it starts when they're young. It starts in our families. Um, kids are not born to hate. They're not. They don't have any clue about race. They're taught it. They're taught it at home. And when I hear stories, it breaks my heart. Like the last two days, listening to our players talk, listen to our coaches talk. What kind of place do we live in where they feel uncomfortable buying a, buying a car and afraid that they're going to be racially profiled because of what they're driving? What kind of country and place do we live in where a black man and his family go into a restaurant and they get second looks? It's not a good place. I was ignorant to the fact, I knew it, but I was ignorant to the fact that it was happening. And shame on me. That won't happen again. We're going to stand up for what's right. We're going to stand up for what's right as an organization. People deserve it. This is about humanity. About human, this is about human lives we're talking about here. How can you, you got to have some empathy for the human life. We're all the same. Like I was naive to this. Like I, I, I'm very naive because I think, well, okay, I, I don't see color. Um, but I'm naive to think that everybody else is the same way. And, and, and then there's little things that I did that I didn't realize that was hurting other people. You know, we've had some great talks. You know, when I got to listen to a close friend that I've worked with for a long time, tell me, and I, and I talked to him and his wife last night, you know, tell me that, 
you know, the things they've had to deal with over time. And for me to not be empathetic for that is just flat wrong. Um, you know, explaining to my kids, they didn't understand the protest and the violence. You know, I explained to them, look, people are trying to peacefully protest, but they're screaming and yelling for help. Like, I didn't agree with the violence, but I understood it. Like, I understood the violence. They're screaming for help. They want to help. Look at the signs. I can't breathe. Stop killing black people. They're screaming for help, and, we, and it's our job to help. If you've got any decency in you, you've got to want to help, and that's our duty. That's what this country's about. That's what this country was built upon. How do we, how do we, and I'm going to read, because it said, I mean, it, it, look, this is in our, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, that ain't happening right now. That's not happening. We can sit here and say, oh, yes, it, no, it's not. It's not. How does the black community, and this is how I kind of explained it to my children, my son the other day. How does the black community feel when they see George Floyd with a knee on his throat and dying because of it? Then to have three people watch it, three other people watch it and not do anything. That's like, that, that's what we're doing right now as a country. We're watching it. And we're not doing anything about it. That makes me sad. To have a fear that every time you live every day, you come into contact with a police officer. When a black American comes into contact with a police officer and they're scared and they're fearful of what could happen, that is wrong. That is dead wrong. This is how I put it to my son the other day. I said, I said okay, close your eyes. And I want you to think about this. Police officer's got a man, got his knee on him. He's, he's choking him. He's sucking all the air out of him. And I want you to think that's your father who's white. Think of what your reaction would be. And think about seeing that over and over again. What would your reaction be? You'd be angry. You'd be hurt. I want to thank all our players, all of them, every single freaking one of them. They saw, they, they brought it to light. And look, you either, I thought Jacoby Brissett put it best when he said, you're either part of the problem. I mean, you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And for us to sit here and remain silent, we're your, you're part of the problem. I want to do my part. I know we can't fix this overnight. I know it's going to take time but I want to do my part. My family will do our part. You can bet on that. Um, I know you're going to have questions and that's good because I'm here to answer. No football. This ain't about football right now. Football come and that'll, that'll play itself out and we'll have a good season. We got a good football team, but we're here to, we're here to talk about life right now and the problems we have in this country. Um, so I'll take any, any question you got. All right, Joel, you want to start? Yeah. Uh, Chris, um, Frank said the other day that, you know, 
he would never try to restrict a player's individual expression. Um, and it's it's not completely fair to you to ask you to talk about the entire NFL, but do you feel that the NFL in the past um, has restricted that for some players, specifically, you know, with, with Colin Kaepernick kneeling and, and everything like that? I don't know if we – I'll say it this way. Like ever, we didn't listen. I didn't listen in 17. You know, I didn't listen to Darius. I love Darius Butler. I love Darius Butler. He tried to explain it. I thought I heard it. I didn't hear it. We didn't listen. We didn't listen. All right, Zach Kiefer. Chris, you hit on this, but what did you learn the last two days in those meetings that you didn't know before those meetings? We have guys hurting really hurting that makes me sad man and they're hurting and I didn't I didn't see it see Don Patterson who I'm close with and known for years uh, in Kansas City and does some work for us Don Patterson made a great point it's one of the things I love about football like the locker room is really a special place man It doesn't matter your color, your religion. It doesn't matter. Like, they got to come together and come together as a team, and it doesn't matter what your color, your race. It's one of the great fair places. Uh, might be one of the, the last pure fair places we have. And, you know, Don made this statement because we all talked about it. You know, we talked about it, and, and Don made this statement of, well, you all talk about how special the locker room is. Why can't we take the locker room to the world? Well, absolutely. It's one of the great things about this game. And easier said than done, but he's right. Why, if, if everybody in America could experience what our kids do in that locker room, they would understand better because they all come together. But here's the problem. When our black players walk out of the locker room, mm -hmm. it changes. Their mindsets changed because now they're in protection mode. And a lot of them said they're numb. They become numb to the looks. They become numb to when they walk on an elevator and somebody moves the other way just because of the color of their skin. They become numb when they go to a restaurant and people give them a double look. They become numb to that. That's a shame. That sucks, man. That freaking sucks. That sucks. Um, all right, Kevin Bowen. Chris, uh, obviously you, you, your word's been really powerful. What actions do you want to see your team take here in the coming days, months? Glad you asked that. So David, and David did this before any of this. So he reached out to the Player Coalition, uh, which was created by Anquan Bolden and, and Malcolm Jenkins in, in combination and working with the league. Um, and we, I was really impressed by their approach and what they want to do. We're going to work with them. Um, and I was blown away listening to them yesterday, but you know, they got a great approach to the structural changes to a variety of problems that plague the black community, including criminal justice reform, police and community relations. Um, and we're really looking forward to drawing upon their expertise and guidance on these critical issues. They're going to work with us and we're going to work with them. And I encourage the entire league to reach out 
and 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 use and use them because they're they're outstanding and they stand for the right things. I mean, I listened to Anquan Bolden talk and his group of experts and was blown away by the work they had put in and the things that they're doing. You know, change will not be easy, and it's going to take it's going to take all of us and it's going to take um, all of us working together to create this change. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take us, you know, the power to vote you know, to really dig in on the issues and to know who we're voting for and do they stand for the right things? Do they stand for the right things? Um, like, I, I mean, there's things brought up that I had no idea. I mean, I just felt stupid for not having, for having, um, not having an idea about what was going on. We've got uh, two more. Uh, Jim Ayala. Hey, Chris, I was just, yeah, I mean, I was just wondering about as the NFL now. I mean, they, there's clearly a lack of minority coaches, minority executives in the NFL right now. That's obviously something that I think can, would help with the, with the problem. I was wondering, is there something, is there things that you think the NFL can do and, and the Colts specifically can do to address, to address that issue? Well, look, let me say this. Jim Irsay, Jim Irsay is outstanding. He, he stands for all the right things too. Um, and look, I think we got to continue um, to, put people in position to succeed. Um, Jim Mercy has a great history. Um, and he didn't hire these men because they were, because they were African-American and black. He hired them because they were great coaches, great leaders. Tony Dungy. I mean, this guy's in the hall of fame. Freaking kidding me. Um, Jim Caldwell. I mean, these guys are great coaches. So I think we continue to, to develop and we've got some young coaches on our staff that I think are really good to develop, but there's no doubt we need to do more as a league. We need to continue to develop um, and 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 get guys in position where they can succeed. Last one here is uh, Bob Kravitz. Got to unmute Bob. All right, sorry about that. Uh, you mentioned that in 2017 you did not completely understand the whole Kaepernick thing. If your players were to kneel this coming year, would you look upon that any differently than you might have previously, or what would your general view of that be? Well, whatever, whatever our team ends up doing, um, we're going to support, but we're going to do it together as a team. That's what we're going to do. We're going to support them, and we're going to do it together as a team. We've said that all along. So whatever we decide to do, we're going to do it as a team. Um, that, that's the, that's the beauty of that locker room. We're going to do it as a team. I understand, you know, why people took a knee. I don't like completely understand it the first time, but damn right I do now. All right. And that was Chris Ballard, uh, Colts, Indianapolis Colts general manager and president of football operations. Uh, and his, his addressing the team, the media, uh, regarding the social injustice issue that we that we saw not only in 2020 but certainly it manifests itself in 2020. So I thought that was a very very uh, powerful uh, impact statement, if you will, uh, to that to address that issue from the Colts and to the NFL overall. Uh, we've been talking today though about uh, college football. We weren't unable to connect with Tony Donahue, but coming up next is. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and we'll talk with him a little bit, a look back.
2020 and also the playoff pitcher for the for the NFL as well as you know the Colts scenarios there unfortunately the Eagles are not going to be able to get into the playoffs but we are certainly going to be talking with Ed Kratz a beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and and then also thank Rick Briggan, uh, one of our uh, official college football team members uh, who's been with us through the entire season, also happens to be a big Notre Dame fan. Disappointing loss last night uh, to Alabama, uh, and certainly a great win for Ohio State. Adam Jividen joined a super uh, Buckeye fan and Browns fan talk with, with us a little bit about the matchup coming up next week in the national championship with uh uh, with Alabama, Ohio State, and Alabama, and um, like I said, we just played that bit from 2020 uh, early on in the season uh, regarding social injustice and Chris Ballard, uh, the, the general manager and president of operations of the Indianapolis Colts. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network with Ed Kratz. We're going to get into some of this NFL, uh, this NFL playoff your outlook right here on the Balance Radio Network. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind, thinking I can see through this and see what's behind. Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying. But I'm only human after all I'm only human after all Don't put your blame on me Don't put your blame on me Take a look in the mirror What do you see? Do you see it clearer? Or are you deceived? And what you believe Cause I'm only human The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. 
GEICO makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on GEICO.com or the GEICO mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Good job. Hey, doll. This is not embarrassing. My blood is clotting. Clotting. Never ever evict your parents, okay? Ah! So I run to the maze, and then I find there's some guy named Queese. Queese? Boring man. Alright, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Markwood, El Presidente. Uh, thanks to Rick Riggin and Adam Jividen for joining us and talking some college uh, football playoff scenarios. Obviously, we have a, a matchup set for next week, and that's Alabama and Ohio State. A lot to talk about there. Certainly, uh, Notre Dame uh, fell, uh, maybe not embarrassingly, but fell to Alabama. Joining us now, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm great. Stayed up late, watched that uh, Ohio State win over Clemson last night. Very good game. Exciting. Oh, man, it was, it was, it was a good game. And, and here's the thing, Clemson just totally got uh, in, embarrassed uh, uh, for sure. So uh, we'll see how it plays out, though. It's gonna, it should be a really good matchup next weekend between Alabama and Ohio State. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I look at it from the quarterback perspective. You know, Lawrence and Fields are two top you know, quarterbacks coming into the draft for the NFL. And, uh, you know, I, I know Lawrence has a, re- a really good body of work, but last night he did not look like the savior for an no. NFL franchise. In fact, he looked a lot like Carson Wentz uh, during Wentz's <laughs> struggles with the fumbles and the, you know, uh-huh. putting the ball on the ground. I think he had three or four fumbles, right? He threw a couple interceptions or at least one. He should, probably should have thrown another. I mean, he just looked completely uh, unnerved against that Ohio State defense. Well, let's talk a little bit about Carson Wentz. Uh, certainly, his future uh, to with the Eagles going into the twenty twenty one season, and we are in twenty twenty one. It's still hard to roll off the tongue yet, uh, but it'll get there, and hopefully, twenty twenty one will be a better year for everyone across the board. Uh, but Carson Wentz, do you think it's time for him to have a little bit of a change of scenery? And we've talked about this before. Maybe the change of scenery is right here in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think he needs a, a, at least a change of a voice. Um, you know, whether that means Doug Peterson's going to lose his job or uh, Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles' only, owner, is going to make Peterson bring in a, a straight-up offensive coordinator, uh, meaning Doug would give up the play calling and just kind of be an overseer of the entire team, which I, I think that's going to be the option they're going to give him. And 
Um, if they bring in another voice at the offensive coordinator position, um, then I think Carson stays here. I think if Doug comes back, I'm not sure Carson stays here. I don't know if the two of them can uh, can coexist, to be honest. Um, so we'll see. I mean, if Doug goes, then I think Carson returns. If Doug stays, I think Carson goes. Uh, but I think he's probably going to come back in some form. I think the Eagles are going to make some changes. Uh, you know, if Doug stays as just kind of the overseer and they bring in an offensive coordinator who is allowed to call plays, then I, I think Carson would stay in that situation as well. So I think there's a better chance of, of him coming back uh, at this point because I think the Eagles are going to do that with an offensive coordinator than there is of him being traded. And I think they'll open up the quarterback competition between him and Jalen Hurts in the spring and made a better quarterback win. Yeah. You know, I saw a tweet yesterday afternoon or evening uh, from somebody over there at Yahoo. They basically said that the Eagles should either give Doug Peterson back his offense or take it from him. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think they should take it from him. I really do. I think, you know, it's kind of been sad to see these last week or so with Doug uh, kind of pulling out all the excuses now as to why the season went bad. You know, he's blaming it on injuries. He's blaming it on lack of a, of a, you know, OTAs and springtime workouts. And and now the NFL might go away from that because the NFLPA uh, and their leader, J, JT Treader, JC Treader said that they don't think they should be able to hold spring practices um, because players stay in shape on their own and he doesn't feel like they should have these OTAs. And that's kind of what Doug is harping on is we didn't have them. We had this COVID. We couldn't build the team camaraderie. We had injuries. And then he's saying he's the perfect man to fix whatever uh, was wrong with the Eagles. But I asked him on Friday exactly specifically, what does he mean? What needs to be fixed? Give us a list. What's the priority list? And he said it's everything. You know, he couldn't just come out and say, okay, we need to do this, this, and this. So, I mean, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of focus as to what he needs to fix, at least as he's revealing publicly. You know, I hope that when he sits down with the owner, uh, whether that's Sunday night after the you know the game or Monday or Tuesday, whenever it is, I hope he comes in with a little bit more ammunition uh, to to uh, let the owner know that I'm the right man to fix this. But it's been kind of sad to watch him kind of fumble his way through trying to save his job. I think he's on the hot seat, um, and, and I think they're going to take the offense away from him, and whether that means he goes or whether that means he stays, because I do like the culture that Doug Peterson has instilled in his five seasons here, and you know, Ron Rivera, the, when he said, you know, you look at organizations like the Steelers, Ravens, and Saints even, that they went through some struggles after winning the Super Bowl with their current head coaches, and, the, and those organizations stuck with those coaches. And now here they are, and they're all three are back in the, in the playoff mix here. So um, that was a good point. Uh, so if you're taking Doug's offense away, that either means he's going to be fired or they're going to bring in an offensive coordinator and let that coordinator call the plays straight out and just take that responsibility away from Doug. Uh, and then we'll see a different offense in that, in that respect. Joining us now also is Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast, uh, helping us uh, break down uh, the NFL playoff picture. Uh, welcome to 2021, Tony. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's like uh, it's here. Let's hopefully some things change and we can uh, move, move, move forward in a positive direction. Yeah, absolutely. Real quickly, before we get into the Colts uh, playoff scenarios and, and we start having this conversation between the three of us about the NFL playoffs, uh, certainly we were just talking with uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, they're, they're going to miss the playoffs this year, talking about the possibilities 
of, of uh, Carson uh, going and saying the same thing with uh, uh, Doug Peterson. But I wanted to get your thoughts, Tony, on a big win with Alabama and Notre Dame. And certainly, uh, and again, a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, and you look at Ohio State, controversy as it might be, controversial as it might be, as many games found a way to get to the national championship game. Yeah, I think that uh, Dabo Sweeney kind of put himself in a box last night by all the things that he said and the fact that Ohio State should have been there and they didn't play enough games and that his team was going to come out and be ready. Uh, I think Ohio State really took that too hard and decided, hey, we're going to come out and show them that we deserve to be here and there's nothing that they can do about it. They did. They came out and hit him right in the mouth. They came out and, um, I mean, from the get-go, we're up big at halftime and, 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 and just cruised the rest of the way. So, um, Notre Dame being Notre Dame, I mean, it is what it is. They were there because they only had one loss to Clemson, and they were there because they're Notre Dame, and people are going to are going to watch and listen and pay attention because there are lots of Notre Dame fans out there. But I think as we know over the last 10 years, the four teams that were in the playoff yesterday are the four teams that have been there year in and year out for the last 10 years and we know are going to sell tickets and we know are going to um, have have eyes on them to watch. So um, just just really disappointed that Notre Dame couldn't do a little bit better than what they did. And, again, they get into the playoff and they get their butts kicked. So um, this is just becoming a new a, a new year's tradition, right? That's right. Absolutely. Uh, well, Anna, let's uh, start this uh, playoff picture. We'll start here in the AFC South because it's our homework card here. Uh, the Colts play Jacksonville tomorrow. Um, that is a must win, but they should be able to win that. One of the games that we're going to be paying a, a lot of attention to here in the AFC South is that Texas-Tennessee game. And Texans could show up and beat Tennessee. It's kind of those those iffy uh, thoughts. What are your thoughts on the AFC uh, South, uh, the Titans, the Texans, and Jacksonville and the Colts be the two teams to watch for the AFC South. Yeah, I mean, the Colts got to win. I think they can win to get the Jaguars, as we know. Sorry, I meant Ed, but then we'll go to you, Tony. Go right ahead. My, my fault. Oh, apologies. Uh, well, um, the, the Col- you know, Jacksonville's only win is against the Colts, right? Back, you know, months and months ago. But, uh, you know, obviously these two teams are a little different right now, especially Jacksonville. But, um, you know, and they're they're playing to try to get that number one pick, I guess. Um, so yeah, the Colts should take care of business here. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, but Texans, Texans going into ten, uh, to Tennessee and winning—that's that's a pretty tall order. But I, I think the Colts can get in if the Dolphins lose as well. Um, so you know, the Dolphins that could certainly, uh, you know, they could certainly lose as well. So I think the I think the Colts have a chance. It's a shame they don't control their own destiny. It's always a lot better that way. Um, so you kind of have to just take care of business and cross your fingers and hope you get help from, uh, you know, elsewhere. Go ahead, tell your thoughts on the AFC South. Yeah, I mean, like you, you mentioned, the Colts. There's what four or five different scenarios when they get into the playoffs. But first and foremost, starts with beating the Jaguars, and I think that they will. Um, the Jaguars are up for that number one pick. We saw kind of their act last week when they got blown out to the Bears. My what's interesting is if the Colts win, then either the Titans got to lose, the Browns got to lose, the Dolphins got to lose, and I believe there's one other team in that scenario as well. The Dolphins are going to Buffalo. They're one point underdogs. We'll see with Buffalo kind of clinching everything how they play. Uh, the Browns are favored to win, so I, I just it's going to be tough on the Colts. It really is. But you first and foremost have to make sure that you win today or win tomorrow. I don't even know what day it is because of the holidays. 
you've got to win tomorrow against the Jaguars and just hope that you get um, help elsewhere. Well, yeah, that, that other team, that other team, Tony. Just I was just gonna say that other team, Tony's talking mm-hmm. about is Baltimore. Um, yes. They're the other team that if they lose and the Colts win, then uh, Indianapolis gets in. I, I'm not sure who Baltimore plays. I'm trying to play the Bengals, so you know, uh, yeah. the best hope might be for uh, for Miami to lose in Buffalo. I don't know if Buffalo can can get that number one seed. I don't know if they're playing for anything at this point. Um, so I don't know what their approach to that game is going to be. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it, again, you'd rather be controlling your own destiny here than, than, you know, crossing your fingers and hope. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's unfortunate because the Colts have had what I would consider, uh, in spite of it all, a very, very good season this year. And even if we, if we, even if we end the season at 10 and six, well, I, I still think we'll win tomorrow. So we'll, we'll end the season. At eleven five, uh, which I think is way above what anybody anticipated uh, for that that to happen. Let's start breaking down these scenarios. We'll start in the NFC. Uh, let's let's talk with uh, Ed about the NFC uh, picture and and the seedings as as we get ready to uh, take a look at a clearer look at the playoff picture uh, for uh, the NFC. Well, you know, I guess, you know, there's a lot of big games, but they somehow thought that the Eagles and, the, and Washington were the big game, and they moved them to an 820 start on Sunday night. <laughs> uh, you know, the shame of it is, is, you know, if the Colts don't get in and they do win and nothing goes their way, they're going to be sitting at home with 10 wins, and then you're going to have probably a Washington team. I think they'll beat the Eagles on Sunday night, and you'll have a Washington team with seven wins, three less than the Colts, and, and they're going into the playoffs, so – um, you know, that's the shame of it, but that's the way the setup goes. But uh, and, and also by having that Sunday night game, you're going to kind of make the Cowboys and Giants, whoever wins that game, sort of twist in the wind. I think that's a one o'clock game. So they're going to have to sit around it, you know, for 10 hours or so trying to figure out if they're going to be the NFC East champs, because whoever wins that game, if the Eagles somehow uh, find a way to beat Washington, then the winner of the Cowboys Giants game. Uh, will be the NFC East champs, and they'll go to the playoffs. And, again, if it's the Giants, they'll have six wins on their resume, and they'll still be in, and Indianapolis would have ten, and they might be out. So that's just kind of bizarre. But, um, you know, but that that's just one scenario, obviously. I'm keeping an eye on since I'm, you know, I, I cover the Eagles. But, uh, you know, I think they've got three teams that have clinched, or, or four teams that have clinched, the Packers, Saints, Seahawks, and, and uh, the Tom Brady Buccaneers. Uh, are in as well. So there's three spots open. The Cardinals uh, need to win to get in, uh, and the Bears need to win to get in. If they both win, they're in, I I believe. Uh, And then we'll have uh, the NFC East (laughs) sub-500 team that gets in crazy. (laughs) Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts on the NFC playoff picture, how we know it right now? Yeah, I want to go back real quick to the Colts. It's going sure. to be amazing if a team goes 11-5 and five or 10-6 and six and an extra playoff team is added this year and they still miss the playoffs. I think that the Colts have had a great year, but, I mean, what a shame when you have an extra year or an extra team in the playoff this year and you don't make it. As far as the NFC goes, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what Tampa Bay and Tom Brady can do in the playoffs. The Saints are going to be there. We know that the – Seahawks and the Packers are going to be there, but there's some really good teams in the NFC, and I think we're going to see really good football. I'm kind of probably more intrigued by the NFC in the playoffs than I am the AFC. So I think we know it's going to come down 
in the AFC to the Bills and the Chiefs. The Chiefs probably beat the Bills to go to another Super Bowl. But in the NFC, it could be anywhere from Seattle to New Orleans to Green Bay. And you can't, as mentioned, you can't count out Tampa Bay and what, what Tom Brady can do. Ed, go ahead, Ed. I forget you were saying something else there, Ed. Well, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, the, the, the NFC playoffs definitely are, are something to watch. I mean, I, 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 the Chiefs are the super team, um, but it is tough to get back to the Super Bowl uh, for sure in back-to-back years, especially with Andy Reid as the head coach. I know he won a Super Bowl last year, but, we, we you know, we saw his uh, struggles up close and personal here in Philadelphia when he got to the title game in the NFC East, he, or in the NFC. He, act, you know, he laid more eggs than he actually hatched. Um, if that makes sense, but, um, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's tough to do, but you know it would certainly be a shock if Patrick Mahomes uh, and Andy never had a quarterback like Mahomes in Philadelphia. He had McNabb, but you know McNabb was good, but he's not Mahomes, so um, it, it would be very surprising if Buffalo or even Pittsburgh. I, I don't, you know, Pittsburgh's kind of uh, hit the skids lately, but you know they do have that a, a very good defense. They can't run the ball real well. Roethlisberger is kind of up and down at, at at this point in his career, so. I don't give them much hope. So, yeah, the, 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 the fun playoff games to watch will be, I guess, in the NFC because it is so balanced. Um, although I like the Packers uh, probably a notch above those other teams uh, to come out of there. But, uh, you know, the Saints can't count them out. They've got a Super Bowl winning coach in Sean Payton, and the Seahawks have Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. They've won a Super Bowl. Uh, and Tampa has Tom Brady, who's won, you know, what, 100 Super Bowls or something like that. So, uh you know, it's going to be fun to watch the NFC. So do you think that we've all but cemented the MVP to Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers? You know, I think so. Um, they played so well in the snow their night against the Titans. Rodgers has absolutely just had a phenomenal year, which is crazy because, you know, when we started, it was the Russell Wilson conversation. And then, um, you know, kind of Aaron Rodgers took over. And we, we kind of overlook what Patrick Mahomes does because he had one bad game and they still won last week against Atlanta. You look at what, what Mahomes has done, and, and it's just it's kind of like LeBron James in the NBA. You, you just, you're just you used to it. Oh, he's doing phenomenal things? Ah, that's nothing. We're used to that. It is what it is. And you kind of stop and forget about how amazing Patrick Mahomes still is just because we're so used to seeing what he does. Uh, but I do think it's Aaron Rodgers right now. and I, But I do think Josh Allen is there to be in that conversation as well. What he does with it, he's got he's got probably the strongest arm in the league. He can get it done with his feet. He's got a great team around him. Um, Diggs has had a phenomenal year, and I think that it's right now it's it's Rogers, Mahomes, and then Josh Allen's not too far behind in an MVP discussion. Yeah, that's a great point, Tony. That's a great point. Yes, uh, Josh Allen definitely deserves to to be in the mix. And what you know, he's going to Brian Dable has gotten a lot of traction to be a head coach in this league because of what he's done with Josh Allen. Um, you know, the Bills offensive coordinator um, who's got five Super Bowl rings when he was with the Patriots as an assistant. He won one in 2017 when he was in Alabama, a college football championship with Alabama in 2017. And Brian Dable, I think, is going to be uh, one of those coaches that gets a job as a head coach this year. Um, and, and a lot of it has to do with Josh Allen. So, what do you, what do you think about uh, Haskins? Where does he end up next year? And, I mean, first of all, to be a guy in that position to do the things he's done this year is just absolutely unforgivable. So, what team takes a chance with uh, Dwayne Haskins uh, as their as their quarterback? Um, well, 
yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. Just quickly, I guess what the first team that comes to mind would be the Ravens. The Ravens have a history of taking uh, chances on guys that uh, maybe have screwed up elsewhere, and then he becomes a backup to Lamar Jackson. He's he, he can run. He's a bigger physical Lamar Jackson, I would say. But I think the first two teams that come to mind really to me are the Ravens and the Cowboys because we don't know what's going to happen with Dak Prescott. I don't think Haskins is going to be a starter in the league next year. But I can see the Ravens or the Cowboys bringing him in um, just just on the off chance that he's he's the backup and and maybe he gets some opportunity to play. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be any, any kind of NFL contenders for the to go deep into the playoffs. Go ahead, Ed. Uh, well, I'm surprised Tony didn't mention the uh, quarterback factory here in Philadelphia that uh, Howie <laughs> Roseman is. You know, he's opened up. Uh, you know, of course Roseman said that when they drafted Jalen Hurts, we want to be a quarterback factory uh it's kind of laughable but um yeah haskins listen hey philadelphia who knows i mean if carson wentz isn't here you know they're going to need a backup for jalen hurts uh you know who's it going to be i mean nate sudfeld won't be here you're going to have one quarterback on your roster i don't think they would bring haskins in them I'm, I'm not even sure that would be the right idea to bring him in but you know he fired his agent because nobody claimed him after he was cut i mean he's got a lot of rehab to do here i mean and, and i say that in terms of you know his image and you know, his game, he's got a lot of, you know, he's got to rebuild things there. So I'm not sure how much of a chance he's going to get. I mean, yeah, there's always, you need those quarterbacks and that he can come on and, and compete for a job somewhere. But, you know, I don't have a lot of faith that Wayne Haskins is going to be the answer anywhere, to be honest. Tony, let's talk about our Indianapolis codes. Obviously we know that Phillip Rivers is only here for one year. This year is coming to an end. This could very well be his last uh, game this week that he played. In the NFL, possibly, uh, Philip Rivers, I think if he does come back to the NFL and doesn't retire, there is a very good possibility that he stays with the Colts. We know he's having foot surgery. Another rumor that started circulating this week uh, is that Jamison Winston is a is a target for the Indianapolis Colts. Also, we've talked about Carson Wentz coming to the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts also have Toby Brissett, which is really a very, very solid uh player i don't know that he's a number one quarterback a qb1 but jacoby Brissett, i think it's a very solid position and if nothing else he might be on some tape on some other teams radars. so we might be needing a, a q1 and q2 qb1 q2 uh for the indianapolis colts tony yeah you know it's interesting there's a lot of rumors flying around and i i was kind of skeptical of philip rivers coming into the season i give him full credit he's done a great job he's He's not been a bad quarterback. He's played well. He's been reliable. He's been durable. He's been able to make the the throws that he needs to make downfield. He's got a great rushing attack behind him. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., the rookie, has played very well. He's gotten T.Y. Hilton more involved the last couple of weeks. He's got three great tight ends. With all that being said, um, I think he's done enough to bring him back next year. I think you sit down and you say, okay, Phillip, do you want to come back for one more year? And if he does, then he does. Jacoby Brissett's long gone. He's He's going to be a backup probably in Carolina, maybe Miami, uh, maybe even in Philadelphia. Then you bring up Carson Wentz. Is Carson Wentz going to come up here and be the next Colts quarterback? I would say this. If they decide to move away and move on from Phillip Rivers, I think Matt Stafford should be your number one target. And then maybe fall back on Carson Wentz. And and, and Ed could probably answer this more than I can because I don't follow Philadelphia as much. But I don't think that – Carson Wentz is a guy that's going to win you a championship. I don't think Carson Wentz is a guy that's going to get you deep into the playoffs. And I think this Colts team right now is a team that is one year away 
and a good, reliable quarterback, maybe a Matt Stafford, maybe a, even a Phillip Rivers, from winning, go, going to the AFC Championship game. I really believe that. You know, their two blemishes this year was the loss of the Browns, a game that they led and should have won, and that week one game to the Jaguars down in Jacksonville, they should have won, but it was the first week. You know, it was kind of everybody, I thought, kind of got a pass in week one, whether you won or lost. They blew that lead. It's probably going to, it might come back to bite them, but I think Phillip Rivers is the guy next year. Um, if he wants to come back, and I don't see him retiring just quite yet, uh, but if Phillip Rivers, I think, is the number one option, then you go down to Matt Stafford. Then your third option would be Carson Wentz if you can get any of those three guys. Um, none of those three guys want to come here. Then you're going to have to start digging really deep. Go ahead, Ed. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a free agent, so you know he can have his pick of teams. See how badly the Colts want him. But um, you know, I'm not. You know, Rivers is good. He had a good season. He'll be. You know, I think he just turned 39 years old. He'll be 40 uh, during next season, late in the season. I think he's got a December birthday, but. Um, you know, is he the guy that can win you a championship? I mean, he's been at it a long time and he's never done it. So, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure he's the guy either, but having said that he's now a year into Frank Reich's system. I think he makes the most sense to bring back. It's just, you know, how, how much are you going to have to pay him? What's he going to come back at? I mean, he signed a one-year deal, uh, last off season for 25 million. Is he going to take another one-year deal and go year by year with this thing or, is he going to want a little uh, more job security, thinking he can play longer? I mean, that whole contract situation, I think, is going to determine whether or not he comes back. I think I like having consistency at the quarterback position. Uh, like I said, this would be his second year coming up in Frank Reich's system. I like that. He does have pieces in place around him. He's had them in the past, and he wasn't able to get it done. But you hope now, kind of in the twilight of his career, he'd be able to put it all together uh, and do that. And you know, I'm not sure Matt Stafford, I mean, you know, he's played on some bad Lions teams. Um, you know, he's an exciting quarterback. And even Carson Wentz, who knows if he can lead a team to a championship. So, really, you know, you hope that the pieces around whatever quarterback it is they bring in is are solid enough, uh, you know, to to, to uh, take the Colts into the Super Bowl in 2021. And I think it should be Rivers. Um, but we'll see. The contract's going to go a long way in determining if it's going to be him or not. Ed, speaking of contracts, you think about Dak Scott uh, with Dallas. Do they work it out? I mean, I think they got him at $31 million right now. Uh, do they work that out or they uh, let him uh, explore his options? Well, they couldn't work it out last year, so he's playing on the franchise tag. So, yeah, he's a, he's a free agent, and they could franchise tag him again and pay him whatever the average is of the top couple quarterbacks in the league, which would probably be a little more than $31 million. Uh, and he's coming off a pretty serious injury. So, you know, there, that's an unknown. It's how will he respond um, after, you know, the rehab and everything uh, that he's been through most of this season. Uh, I, that's, a, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure they'll work it out. They couldn't do it last year when they really needed to. Um, so I'm not sure what changes. Maybe the injury changes Dak's feeling that, you know, look, I, I need a long-term commitment. I'll take, you know, $30 million a year, whatever they want to give me, I'll take it because, you know, these injuries can crop up and they could end his career at any time. Any player is in that situation. You know, you really don't know from game to game who's going to get hurt, who's going to suffer a career-ending injury. So, you know, maybe Dak's mindset's changed a little bit. Uh, with this injury, but they couldn't work it out last year. I'm not optimistic that they would be able to work it out this year. Uh, Tony, you got any thoughts on uh, Zach Prescott? 
I don't think he's a guy the Colts want. I think Dak is still a, a reliable quarterback. Um, the the injury was unfortunate, and I, I, I don't see him going anywhere. I, I know people think that he's going to be on the move, but I, I think the, the best fit for him and where he needs to be is right there in Dallas. He's got great weapons. I mean, right you know, he's in a good situation. You know, he's got great weapons with the those three receivers and. You know, Zeke Elliott, you know, has had a lot of mileage these last four or five years. Um, but he does have great weapons, you know, an offensive line that was banged up this year. So, you know, if, if that means anything to him, he's in a good situation with what's around him, at least offensively. That Dallas defense is a mess, but at least offensively, Dak has the guys in place to put points on the board. Just a little, uh, few things here as far as coaches on the hat, hot seat. Um, Tony, would you say Matt Nagy at, with the Bears' seat is the hottest in the NFL right now? You know, I I, I know you like to uh, dive into the coaching hot seats. I, <laughs> I don't know because just because I look at the Bears' situation this year and they've gone back and forth between Mitch Trubisky and then to Nick Foles and now back to Mitch and they they've played well. They're they're technically not out of the playoffs just quite yet. Um, I I think that you maybe give him another year just because. The quarterback situation just wasn't ideal this year. And what we've seen out of Mitch Trubisky in the last couple of weeks, he had three touchdowns two weeks ago. Last week they they blow out the Jaguars. Uh, if they can keep rolling, I know it's I know it's the end of the year, but you know they're they're not on they're not out of the playoff picture quite yet. Yes, they need a lot of help. They need a win coming up this weekend, which will be tough. Um, but I'm not sure his seat is as warm as what people think, just because. It's just been a again. I think 2020. There's going to be a lot of people that decide. Well, you know, is it better to go out and get somebody than what we have? And I think a lot of people are going to stay home and, and and realize, you know, we probably have the best option out there right now. Let's give him one more year to see what happens. And final word to you: Is there any reason to continue the circus in New York Jets and Adam Gacy? Hey, they won. Haven't they won two in a row, New York? I mean, they're rolling, baby. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why would you move away from that? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, frankly, I'm really, really surprised he hasn't been let go already. But, um, yeah, I, I would suspect that that's probably one of the hottest seats out there. And, you know, I know a surprise hot seat might be in Minnesota with Mike Zimmer. I mean, I know their defense has kind of been decimated and uh, with injury and whatnot. Uh, you know, we've seen that in Philadelphia with their offensive line, just decimated seven guys on IR this year. and you know, they're starting fourth-string guys that weren't even on the team. And yet Doug Peterson's on the hot seat. So it all depends how you view injuries and how that impacted your team. But I think Mike Zimmer, you know, every year the Minnesota Vikings are mentioned as a playoff-type team, and, you know, Zimmer hasn't gotten it done. So he could be a surprise uh, candidate to get canned on Monday, we'll see. But I think as far as Matt Nagy goes, if he gets fired, I think that would be more of an indictment on his failure to develop Mitch Trubisky. I mean, Matt, Matt Nagy's an offensive guy. They brought in – a a quarterback, uh, you know, in the draft, one of the top five players taken, uh, and he hasn't developed. And who do you point the finger at there? Is it the coach? Is it Trubisky himself? Did they over-evaluate him? Um, you know, a lot of times the coach gets the blame in these situations, and uh, we'll see. If they don't get in the playoffs, yeah, he could be gone. All right, guys, I appreciate you joining us. Tony Dang from the Tony D Podcast. Where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? Yeah, on Twitter, at Tony D. Indy, Tony D. Podcast. So search it wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. You guys have a great weekend. Happy New Year. Thanks, Tony. Happy New Year. Tony Donahue for the Tony D. Podcast. Definitely do check out his podcast. Has a great uh, podcast that he goes, covers the gamut of, of sports. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia.
www.DelphiaEaglesInsight.com. Where can people find your work and masterpiece? Well, you find me on Twitter at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E, and I put all my uh, story links right there for your viewing pleasure. All right, buddy. We appreciate you joining us. You have yourself a good weekend, sir. Thanks, Tom. You too. All righty. Ed Kratz joined us, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and Inside.com, our official NFL contributor. Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast uh, joined us. Also, Adam Jividen, uh joined us, uh, uh, Super Buckeye fan. And Rick Reagan, uh, part of our official college football team, breaking down the Notre Dame loss to Alabama, setting up Alabama and Ohio State uh, yeah, for a national championship game uh, next weekend. And we'll certainly be all over that. Follow, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Download the podcast wherever you find your podcast right here on the Balance Radio Network. My name is Tom Marquis. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive it. It is a cool. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.